0: Chapter seven of the Spirit of the Border by Zane Gray. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain recording by Leonard Wilson Chapter seven Joe felt the heavy lethargy rise from him like the removal of a blanket. His eyes became clear, and he saw the trees and the forest gloom. Slowly he realized his actual position. He was a prisoner, lying helpless among his sleeping captors silvertip and the guard had fled into the woods frightened by the appalling moan which they believed sounded their death knell and joe believed he might have fled himself had he been free what could have caused that sound he fought off the numbing chill that once again began to creep over him he was wide awake now his head was clear, and he resolved to retain his senses he told himself there could be nothing supernatural in that wind or whale or whatever it was which had risen murmuring from out the forest depths yet despite his reasoning joe could not allay his fears that thrilling cry haunted him the frantic flight of an indian brave nay of a cunning experienced chief was not to be lightly considered the savages were at home in these untracked wilds trained from infancy to scent danger and to fight when they had an equal chance they surely would not run without good cause joe knew that something moved under those dark trees he had no idea what it might be the fretting night wind or a stealthy prowling soft-footed beast or a savage alien to these wild indians and wilder than they by far the chirp of a bird awoke the stillness Night had given way to morning. Welcoming the light that was chasing away the gloom, Joe raised his head with a deep sigh of relief. As he did so, he saw a bush move. Then a shadow seemed to sink into the ground. He had seen an object lighter than the trees, darker than the gray background. Again, that strange sense of the nearness of something thrilled him. Moments passed to him long as hours. He saw a tall fern waver and tremble. A rabbit or perhaps a snake had brushed it. Other ferns moved, their tops agitated, perhaps by a faint breeze. No, that wavering line came straight toward him. It could not be the wind. It marked the course of a creeping, noiseless thing. It must be a panther crawling nearer and nearer. Joe opened his lips to awaken his captors, but could not speak. It was as if his heart had stopped beating. Twenty feet away, the ferns were parted, to disclose a white, gleaming face, with eyes that seemingly glittered. Brawny shoulders were appraised, and then a tall, powerful man stood revealed. Lightly he stepped over the leaves into the little glade. He bent over the sleeping Indians. Once, twice, twice three times a long blade swung high one brave shuddered another gave a sobbing gasp and the third moved two fingers thus they passed from life to death wetzel cried joe i reckon so said the deliverer his deep calm voice contrasting strangely with what might have been expected from his aspect then seeing joe's head covered with blood he continued able to get up i'm not hurt answered joe rising when his bonds had been cut brothers i reckon wetzel said bending over jim yes we're brothers wake up jim wake up we're saved what who's that cried jim sitting up and staring at wetzel this man has saved our lives see jim the indians are dead and jim it's wetzel the hunter you remember Jeff Lynn said I'd know him if I ever saw him, and... Uh, what happened to Jeff? inquired Wetzel, interrupting. He had turned from Jim's grateful face. Jeff was on the first raft, and for all we know, he's now safe at Fort Henry. Our steersman was shot, and we were captured. Has the Shawnee anything against you boys? Why, yes, I guess so. I played a joke on him, took his shirt, put it on another fellow might just as well kick an injun what is he again you i don't know perhaps he did not like my talk to him answered jim i am a preacher and have come west to teach the gospel to the indians They're good injuns now said wetzel pointing to the prostrate figures how did you find us eagerly asked joe run across your trail two days back and you've been following us the hunter nodded did you see anything of another band of Indians, a tall chief and Jim Gurdy were among them? They' been arter me for a few days. I was following you when Silvertip got wind of Gurdy and his Delawares. The big chief was Winganund. I seen you pull Gerty's snows arter the Delawares went. I turned loose your dog and horse and lit out on your trail. Well, where are the Delawares now? I reckon they're nosin my back trail. "'We must be getting. "'Silvertip will soon have a lot of engines here.' "'Joe intended to ask the hunter about what had frightened the Indians, "'but despite his eager desire for information, he refrained from doing so. "'Gertie and I did for you,' remarked Wetzel, examining Joe's wound. "'He's in a bad humor. "'He got kicked a few days back. "'Then he had the skin pulled off in his nose. "'Somebody'll have to suffer.' well you fellers grab your rifles and we'll be startin for the fort joe shuddered as he leaned over one of the dusky forms to detach powder and bullet horn he had never seen a dead indian and the tense face the sightless vacant eyes made him shrink he shuddered again when he saw the hunter scalp his victims he shuddered the third time when he saw Whitzel pick up silvertip's beautiful white eagle plume dabble it in a pool of blood and stick it in the bark of a tree bereft of its graceful beauty drooping with its gory burden the long feather was a deadly message it had been silvertip's pride it was now a challenge a menace to the shawnee chief come said wetzel leading the way into the forest shortly after daylight on the second day following the release of the downs brothers the hunter brushed through a thicket of alder and said ours fort henry the boys were on the summit of a mountain from which the land sloped in a long incline of rolling ridges and gentle valleys like a green billowy sea until it rose again abruptly into a peak higher still than the one upon which they stood the broad ohio glistening in the sun lay at the base of the mountain upon the bluff overlooking the river and under the brow of the mountain lay the frontier fort in the clear atmosphere it stood out in bold relief a small low structure surrounded by a high stockade fence was all and yet it did not seem unworthy of its fame those watchful forbidding loopholes the blackened walls and timbers told the history of ten long bloody years the whole effect was one of menace as if the fort sent out a defiance to the wilderness and meant to protect the few dozen log cabins clustered on the hillside. "'How will we ever get across that big river?' asked Jim, practically. "'Wade, swim,' answered the hunter, laconically, and began the descent of the ridge. An hour's rapid walking brought the three to the river. Depositing his rifle in a clump of willows, and directing the boys to do the same with their guns, the hunter splashed into the water his companions followed him into the shallow water and waded a hundred yards which brought them near the island that they now perceived hid the fort the hunter swam the remaining distance and climbing the bank looked back for the boys they were close behind him then he strode across the island perhaps a quarter of a mile wide we will long swim here said wetzel waving his hand toward the main channel of the river good for it he inquired of joe Since jim had not received any injuries during the short captivity and consequently showed more endurance good for anything answered joe with that coolness wetzel had been quick to observe in him the hunter cast a sharp glance at the lad's haggard face his bruised temple and his hair matted with blood in that look he read joe thoroughly had the young man known the result of that scrutiny he would have been pleased as well as puzzled for the hunter had said to himself a brave lad and the border fevers on him swim close to me said wetzel and he plunged into the river the task was accomplished without accident see the big cabin there on the hillside there's colonel zane in the door said wetzel as they neared the building several men joined the one who had been pointed out as the colonel it was evident the boys were the subject of their conversation Presently Zane left the group and came toward them. The brothers saw a handsome stalwart man in the prime of life. Well, Lou, what luck, he said to Wetzel. Uh, not much. I treed five injuns and two got away, answered the hunter as he walked toward the fort. Lads, welcome to Fort Henry, said Colonel Zane, a smile lighting his dark face. The others of your party arrived safely. They certainly will be overjoyed to see you. Uh, "'Colonel Zane, I had a letter from my uncle to you,' replied Jim. "'But the Indians took that and everything else we had with us.' "'Oh, never mind the letter. I knew your uncle and your father, too. "'Come into the house and change those wet clothes. "'And you, my lad, have got an ugly knock on the head. "'Who gave you that?' "'Jim Gertie.' "'What?' exclaimed the colonel. "'Jim Gertie did that. He was with a party of Delaware. who ran across us. They were searching for Wetzel.' girty with the delawares the devil's to pay now and you say hunting wetzel i must learn more about this it looks bad but tell me how did girty come to strike you i pulled his nose you did good good cried colonel Sain heartily by george that's great uh, tell me but wait until you are more comfortable your packs came safely on jeff's raft and you'll find them inside as Joe followed the colonel, he heard one of the other men say, "Like as two peas in a pod." Farther on, he saw an Indian standing a little apart from the others. Hearing Joe's slight exclamation of surprise, he turned, disclosing a fine, manly countenance characterized by calm dignity. The Indian read the boy's thought. "Er, um, ye friend," he said in English. Oh, "That's my Shawnee guide, Tommy Pomehala. "'He's a good fellow, although Jonathan and Wetzel declared the only good Indian is a dead one. "'Come right in here. There are your packs, and you'll find water outside the door.' "'Thus saying, Colonel Zane led the brothers into a small room, brought out their packs, and left them. "'He came back presently with a couple of soft towels. "'Now you lads fix up a bit, and come out and meet my family, and tell us all about your adventure. "'By that time dinner will be ready.' "'Gee, Minnie, don't that towel remind you of home?' said Joe, when the colonel had gone. "'From the looks of things, Colonel Zane means to have comfort here in the wilderness. "'He struck me as being a fine man.' "'The boys were indeed glad to change the few articles of clothing the Indians had left them, "'and when they were shaved and dressed, they presented an entirely different appearance. "'Once more they were twin brothers, in costume and feature. "'Joe contrived by brushing his hair down on his forehead. "'to conceal the discolored bump. "'I think I saw a charming girl,' observed Joe. "'Suppose you did. What then?' asked Jim severely. "'Why, nothing. "'See here, mayn't I admire a pretty girl if I want?' "'No, you may not. "'Joe will nothing ever cure you. "'I should think the thought of Miss Wells. "'Look here, Jim, she don't care. "'At least it's very little she cares. "'And I'm, I'm not worthy of her. "'Turn around and face me,' said the young minister sharply. "'Joe turned and looked in his brother's eyes. "'Have you trifled with her as you have with so many others? "'Tell me. I know you don't lie.' "'No.' "'Then what do you mean?' "'Well, nothing much, Jim, except I'm really not worthy of her. "'I'm no good, you know, and she ought to get a fellow like—like like you.' Absurd! You ought to be ashamed of yourself.' never mind me see here don't you admire her why why yes stammered jim flushing a dark guilty red at the direct question who could help admiring her that's what i thought and i know she admires you for qualities which i lack nell's like a tender vine just beginning to creep around and cling to something strong she cares for me but her love is like the vine it, it may hurt her a little to tear that love away "'But it won't kill her, and in the end it will be best for her. "'You need a good wife. What could I do with the woman? "'Go in and win her, Jim.' Joe, you're sacrificing yourself again for me,' cried Jim, white to the lips. "'It's wrong to yourself and wrong to her. I tell you—' "'Enough!' Joe's voice cut in cold and sharp. "'Usually you influence me, but sometimes you can't. I say this—' "'Nell will drift into your arms as surely as the leaf falls. "'It will not hurt her. It will be best for her. "'Remember, she is yours for the winning.' "'You do not say whether that will hurt you,' whispered Jim. "'Come, we'll find Colonel Zane,' said Joe, opening the door. "'They went out in the hallway which opened into the yard, "'as well as the larger room through which the Colonel had first conducted them as Jem, who was in advance passed into this apartment a trim figure entered from the yard it was nell and she ran directly against him her face was flushed her eyes were beaming with gladness and she seemed the incarnation of girlish joy oh joe was all she whispered but the happiness and welcome in that whisper could never have been better expressed in longer speech then slightly ever so slightly she tilted her sweet face up to his it all happened with a quickness of thought. In a single instant, Jim saw the radiant face, the outstretched hands, and heard the glad whisper. He knew that she had again mistaken him for Joe. But for his life he could not draw back his head. He had kissed her, and even as his lips thrilled with her tremulous caress, he flushed with the shame of his deceit. You're mistaken again. I'm Jim, he whispered. For a moment they stood staring into each other's eyes, slowly awakening to what had really happened, slowly conscious of a sweet, alluring power. Then Colonel Zane's cheery voice rang in their ears. Ah, oh, here's Nellie and your brother. Now, lads, tell me which is which. That's Jim and I'm Joe, answered the latter. He appeared not to notice his brother, and his greeting to Nell was natural and hearty for the moment she drew the attention of the others from them joe found himself listening to the congratulations of a number of people among the many names he remembered were those of mrs zane silas zane and major mcculloch then he found himself gazing at the most beautiful girl he had ever seen in his life my only sister mrs alfred clark once betty zane and the heroine of fort henry said colonel zane proudly with his arm around the slender dark-eyed girl i would brave the indians and the wilderness again for this pleasure replied joe gallantly as he bowed low over the little hand she cordially extended bess is dinner ready inquired colonel zane of his comely wife she nodded her head and the colonel led the way into the adjoining room i know you boys must be hungry as bears during the meal colonel zane questioned his guests about their journey and as to the treatment they had received at the hands of the indians he smiled at the young minister's earnestness in regard to the conversion of the red men and he laughed outright when joe said he guessed he came to the frontier because it was too slow at home i am sure your desire for excitement will soon be satisfied if indeed it be not so already remarked the colonel but as to the realization of your brother's hopes, I am not so sanguine. Undoubtedly, the Moravian missionaries have accomplished wonders with the Indians. Not long ago I visited the Village of Peace, the Indian name for the mission, and was struck by the friendliness and industry which prevail there. Truly, it was a village of peace. Yet it is almost too early to be certain of permanent success of this work. The Indian's nature is one hard to understand. He is naturally roving and restless, which, however, may be owing to his habit of moving from place to place in search of good hunting grounds. I believe, though I must confess I haven't seen any pioneers who share my belief, that the savage has a beautiful side to his character. I know of many noble deeds done by them, and I believe if they are honestly dealt with they will return good for good. There are bad ones, of course, but the French traders, and men like the Gerties, have caused most of this long war. Jonathan and Wetzel tell me the Shawnees and Chippewas have taken the warpath again. Then the fact that the Gerties are with the Delawares is reason for alarm. We have been comparatively quiet here of late. Did you boys learn to what tribe your captors belong? did Wetzel say? he did not he spoke a little but i will say he was exceedingly active answered joe with a smile to have seen wetzel fight indians is something you are not likely to forget said colonel zane grimly now tell me how did those indians wear their scalp lock uh, their heads were shaved closely with the exception of a little place on top the remaining hair was twisted into a tuft tied tightly and into this had been thrust a couple of painted pins "'When Wetzel scalped the Indians, the pins fell out. "'I picked one up and found it to be bone.' "'You will make a woodsman, that's certain,' replied Colonel Zane. "'The Indians were Shawnee on the warpath. "'Well, we will not borrow trouble, "'for when it comes in the shape of redskins, "'it usually comes quickly. "'Mr. Wells seemed anxious to resume the journey down the river, "'but I shall try to persuade him to remain with us a while.' indeed i am sorry i cannot keep you all here at fort henry and more especially the girls on the border we need young people and while i do not want to frighten the women i fear there will be more than indians fighting for them i hope not but we have come prepared for anything said kate with a quiet smile our home was with uncle and when he announced his intention of going west we decided our duty was to go with him you were right and i hope you will find a happy home rejoined colonel sane if life among the indians proves to be too hard we shall welcome you here betty show the girls your pets and indian trinkets i'm going to take the boys to silas's cabin to see mr wells and then show them over the fort as they went out joe saw the indian guide standing in exactly the same position as when they entered the building can't that indian move he asked curiously he can cover one hundred miles in a day when he wants to replied colonel zane he's resting now an indian will often stand or sit in one position for many hours he's a fine-looking chap remarked joe and then to himself but i don't like him i guess i'm prejudiced you'll learn to like Tome as we call him colonel zane i want a light for my pipe i haven't had a smoke since the day we were captured "'That blamed redskin took my tobacco. "'It's lucky I had some in my other pack. "'I'd like to meet him again, "'also Silvertip and that brute Girty. "'My lad, don't make such wishes,' said Colonel Zane earnestly. "'You were indeed fortunate to escape, "'and I can well understand your feelings. "'There's nothing I should like better "'than to see Gertie over the sights of my rifle. "'But I never hunt after danger, "'and to look for Gertie is to court death.' but wetzel ah my lad i know wetzel goes alone in the woods but then he is different from other men before you leave i will tell you all about him colonel zane went around the corner of the cabin and returned with a live coal on a chip of wood which joe placed in the bowl of his pipe and because of the strong breeze stepped close to the cabin wall being a keen observer he noticed many small round holes in the logs they were so near together that the timbers had an odd speckled appearance and there was hardly a place where he could put his thumb without covering a hole at first he thought they were made by a worm or bird peculiar to that region but finally he concluded that they were bullet holes he thrust his knife blade into one and out rolled a leaden ball i'd like to have been here when these were made he said well at the time i wished i was back on the potomac replied colonel zane they found the old missionary on the doorstep of the adjacent cabin he appeared discouraged when colonel zane interrogated him and said that he was impatient because of the delay mr wells is it not possible that you underrate the danger of your enterprise i fear naught but the lord answered the old man do not you fear for those with you went on the colonel earnestly I am heart and soul with you in your work, but want to impress upon you that the time is not propitious. It is a long journey to the village, and the way is beset with dangers of which you have no idea. Will you not remain here with me for a few weeks, or at least until my scouts report? I thank you, but go I will. Then let me entreat you to remain here a few days, so that I may send my brother Jonathan and Wetzel with you. IF ANY CAN GUIDE YOU SAFELY TO THE VILLAGE OF PEACE, IT WILL BE THEY. AT THIS MOMENT JOE SAW TWO MEN APPROACHING FROM THE FORT, AND RECOGNIZED ONE OF THEM AS WETZEL. HE DOUBTED NOT THAT THE OTHER WAS LORD DUNMORE'S FAMOUS GUIDE AND HUNTER, JONATHAN ZANE. IN FEATURES HE RESEMBLED THE COLONEL, AND WAS AS TALL AS WETZEL, ALTHOUGH NOT SO MUSCULAR OR WIDE OF CHEST joe felt the same thrill he had experienced while watching the frontiersmen at fort pitt wetzel and jonathan spoke a word to colonel zane and then stepped aside the hunters stood lithe and erect with the easy graceful poise of indians we'll take two canoes day after to-morrow said jonathan decisively to colonel zane have you a rifle for wetzel the Delaware's got his colonel zane pondered over the question Rifles were not scarce at the fort, but a weapon that Wetzel would use was hard to find. "'The hunter may have my rifle,' said the old missionary. "'I have no use for a weapon with which to destroy God's creatures. My brother was a frontiersman. He left this rifle to me. I remember hearing him say once that if a man knew exactly the weight of lead and power needed, it would shoot absolutely true he went into the cabin and presently came out with a long object wrapped in linsey cloths unwinding the coverings he brought to view a rifle the proportions of which caused jonathan's eyes to glisten and brought an exclamation from colonel zane wetzel balanced the gun in his hands it was fully six feet long the barrel was large and the dark steel finely polished the stock was black walnut ornamented with silver trimmings using jonathan's powder flask and bullet pouch wetzel proceeded to load the weapon he poured out a quantity of powder into the palm of his hand performing the action quickly and dexterously but was so slow while measuring it that joe wondered if he were counting the grains next he selected a bullet out of a dozen which jonathan held toward him he examined it carefully and tried it in the muzzle of the rifle evidently it did not please him for he took another finally he scraped a bullet with his knife and placing it in the center of a small linsey rag deftly forced it down he adjusted the flint dropped a few grains of powder in the pan and then looked around for a mark at which to shoot joe observed that the hunters and colonel zane were as serious regarding the work as if at that moment some important issue depended upon the accuracy of the rifle there lou there's a good shot it's pretty far even for you when you don't know the gun said colonel zane pointing toward the river joe saw the end of a log about the size of a man's head sticking out of the water perhaps a hundred and fifty yards distant he thought to hit it would be a fine shot but was amazed when he heard colonel zane say to several men who had joined the group that wetzel intended to shoot at a turtle on the log by straining his eyes joe succeeded in distinguishing a small lump which he concluded was the turtle wetzel took a step forward the long black rifle was raised with a stately sweep the instant it reached a level a thread of flame burst forth followed by a peculiarly clear ringing report did he hit it asked colonel zane eagerly as a boy i allow he did answered jonathan i'll go and see said joe he ran down the bank along the beach and stepped on the log he saw a turtle about the size of an ordinary saucer. Picking it up, he saw a bullet hole in the shell near the middle. The bullet had gone through the turtle, and it was quite dead. Joe carried it to the waiting group. I allowed so, declared Jonathan. Wetzel examined the turtle, and turning to the old missionary, said, Your brother spoke the truth, and I thank you for the rifle. End of Chapter 7 of The Spirit of the Border by Zane Gray Recording by Leonard Wilson of Springfield, Ohio